0: As moderator for tonight's broadcast,
1: I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. This is part two of Controlled Demolition. In early June, Minneapolis City Council approved, with a veto proof majority, a measure to defund and disband the police. This was presented as a woke step toward racial justice. It's not, it's a state of chaos. A month after the initiative was finally pushed through, armed residents of the city began patrolling its streets. This is madness. New York's crime statistics skyrocketed compared to the same period last year. Murder up 94%, grand larceny 70%, shooting 62%. Brian Stelter tweeted out an op-ed by the New York Times' Wesley Lowry where Lowry wrote that the trend of more personal journalism, one unconcerned with offending conservatives, as if conservatives are the ones getting offended these days. Stelter is the host of CNN's make-believe media ombudsman show, Reliable Sources. Now the Times agrees with the Post. Journalists can basically say whatever they want if they can justify it as in service of the dominant political narrative. And make no mistake, the BLM is Antifa old guard narrative is the dominant narrative. That narrative is not the narrative of an oppressed people. It's the narrative of people who can't win without violence, even in a society as open as ours. That's horrifying. A Minneapolis city council member told CNN's Allison Camerota when asked what could be done if her home was broken into in a place that had no police told Camerota, that her question comes from a place of privilege. I'm not sure if women who've had their homes broken into find the feeling of invasion privileged. My home was broken into when I was a child. It scarred me to say having police around to prevent your home from being invaded is a privilege. And our goal is the elimination of privilege. How do we accomplish this evening out of the so-called structural imbalance? Well, We could wait for the total passive elimination of crime from the world. That's a tall order. I'm sure they have a plan. Oh, their plan is that crime is caused by police interactions with black men. To believe that, you'd have to believe that crime in rural white communities emerges from nothing. Of course, it doesn't. The only other way to even out the so-called structural advantage is to eliminate it from everyone so that no one has the privilege of feeling safe in one's home. Do you imagine her opinion isn't shared by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Bernie Sanders or Bill de Blasio? Two of them were on the Democratic debate stage running for president. The other is the ostensible stamp of approval required for the Democratic Party to decide what to do. Biden has already allowed AOC extensive input into his climate policy. How many times do they need to show you they're very serious about what they intend to do? On June 8th, the WHO said that asymptomatic spread is extremely rare. Once again, this is a key piece of information. We know the politics and the fear drove the asymptomatic spread meme. We know that there were no reported cases in early April anywhere in the world. That's at least five months since the disease began to spread. If someone says extremely rare over two months later, after most of the world has had outbreaks, that doesn't mean, yeah, but it still happens all the time. So masks, it means that they've heard those same reports, but that none of them are confirmed because they literally can't confirm them. But they hedged on their claim because to do otherwise would collapse the world. Technocratic progressives in positions of power would find experts to reassure us that they have better the science and their the data shows that the leaders were right all along and you can go back to sleep. It was just a bad dream. Again, the scariest part of coronavirus, if there is any scary part, is the totally accepted belief that asymptomatic spread is highly likely, thereby making anyone a potential vector for disease without even knowing it. It's the sort of information that could have instantly reopened the country if it became part of the central narrative and people were rational, which I have continually less faith in. Rather than make sure the narrative was correct, the WHO's COVID-19 technical lead, Dr. Maria Van Kerkhoff, was forced to defend and then backtrack on her comments. The media forced the WHO's technical lead to backtrack on her comments. She backtracked halfway. She said she was referring to, quote, data that isn't published, unquote. So the data exists she said what the data said, but she shouldn't have said it. Got it. It's all about the science and the data for the media. Researchers at UC Santa Cruz estimated that by mid-April, 41% of black owned businesses had closed and would never reopen. It's August. The Seattle mayor, Jenny Durkin allowed bands of jobless hipsters and roving criminals to set up the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, where they believed the perfect utopia could be created. They called their new country Chaz. By day, they would pretend they were at an arts fair and that provisions would be shared Burning Man style. It was the peace and love 60s in cosplay. They would trade free water for free sandwiches. They tweeted from their now communist phones out onto the now communist internet to ask people to bring them food and supplies from the United States. Chaz was not yet self-sustainable. No need to worry. Industry was soon on its way. Gender studies majors planted gardens. Then they designated certain gardens where whites were not allowed. It's not strange. You see, this is different. It's woke segregation. White residents of Chaz took to kneeling often. People of color told whites via megaphone they all had to give 10 bucks to a person of color. Rapper Raz Simone took over as warlord of Chaz for a while, patrolling the country's vast terrain with an AK-47 and some friends. He assaulted a kid for painting graffiti over someone else's graffiti, a grave offense in graffiti-covered Chaz. Chaz. He said the violence and intimidation were necessary because he, quote, needed to get his point across, end quote, to the offender. Chaz soon became chop. Capitol Hill occupied protest, which was good since in addition to being as dorky a name as Chaz, it was also an allusion to the guillotine because off with their heads, right? Chop was summarily deleted after a month of communist freedom by a small unit of police and some street cleaners. In all, there were four shootings, two murders, arson, vandalism, and several sexual assaults. Summer of love indeed. The Daily Beast reported about Dr. Deborah Birx saying that any benefit gained from wearing a mask could be eliminated by protesters yelling. She also said protesters had destroyed 70 testing sites. For some reason, the peaceful rioters really liked looting pharmacies. I wonder if it was all the drugs inside. Seattle City Councilwoman Kashama Sawant used her key to City Hall to open the doors for protesters, allowing them to fill the space and chant for the mayor's removal from office. Mayor Durkin called Chaz the summer of love, but this group thought that description wasn't quite woke enough. Apparently UK prime minister, Boris Johnson vowed to open an easier path to citizenship for residents of Hong Kong who wanted to escape. I was told he was a racist populist. Tim Scott, a black American and Senator from South Carolina tweeted, that he had never been called boy and token so many times. You heard all the stories of white supremacist groups disrupting protesters. Yes. Have you seen any? If they were out there causing trouble, wouldn't we hear about it? We still hear about Charlottesville. The Democrats are campaigning on it. It's awful in 2020 for a black senator to be called boy and token just for being Republican by woke people. Republicans didn't shoot down Tim Scott's crime bill. That was the left, the same source of the racist comments. Democrats refused to even debate his bill. Wall Street Journal and Spectator journalist, Alessandra Bocci quoted a member of MIT's science community, who told her on the condition of anonymity, that he was afraid to voice disagreement about the safety narrative being propagated in relation to the protests. There's nothing scientific about our community. He said, knowing fully that the protests would be spreading the virus and no one who said otherwise should be taken seriously as a scientist. It wasn't science. It was politics. A comparison of covid deaths between Sweden and the U.K. on June 9th showed virtually no difference between the countries. The U.K. had strict lockdowns; Sweden had none. The conversation reverted to the near irrelevant comparison between Sweden and neighboring Norway and Finland. Sweden was completely in the middle of the pack at that point relative to other countries. So people held on to their anti Sweden narrative rather than confronting the possibility that lockdowns were for nothing. If a country performs as well with COVID by not locking down as it could by locking down, the lockdown didn't work, period. The BBC reported that a study of traffic to and from Wuhan hospitals indicated that their COVID crisis may have begun in August of 2019, months before the date of their first reported cases. Media has not discussed this possibility at all, even though it would drastically change every virus model everywhere. On June 10th, CBS reported that employees at El Nuevo Rodeo said Derek Chauvin and George Floyd had bumped heads at work. This is the sort of information that in a rational culture where people want peace and safety for everyone. The fact that the two men may have a history between them would change the narrative completely. It blipped on and off the radar and was never discussed again. When it comes up in court, will the wokes tell you that they're making it up? That this article was part of a conspiracy and that everybody knows it was a racist murder? Also on June 10th, the DHS warned about the doxing of police officers as the mostly peaceful Twitter mob was posting the private personal information of law enforcement officers so that the mostly peaceful real life mob could go do the sort of thing mobs do when they're mostly peaceful. In the midst of predominantly loving riots, disappointed college children tore down and defaced statues of racist Confederate traitors and union abolitionists alike. It's quite possible that people this clueless about how every single thing in the world works, aside from social media, really didn't know whose statues they were toppling and kicking. This is the safe and funny answer. It's also possible they did know whose statues they were tearing down, that they didn't care that their goal wasn't removing symbols of oppression. It was removing all history that doesn't confirm the future they feign to seek that day. Berkeley college of music released a statement apologizing for them, allowing police officers who were working overtime to maintain safety use of the bathroom. Daily Caller reporter Chuck Ross revealed that Chinese propaganda outlet China Daily had paid $19 million to American newspapers to run propaganda inserts created to look like real news. The Washington Post bloggers still accuse the Trump campaign of colluding with Russia. Vox wrote an article entitled Five Reasons You Can't Give Up on the Pandemic. Well, Vox, you're one of them. The media composed of young socialists just out of Ivy league journalism schools loves this pandemic. They hate Trump. So the situation confirms every prejudice they have. They think they're saving the country from racism while perpetuating it. They believe that the erosion of one's control over one's own life is well worth it for the utopia they believe they can imagine into being. Perhaps the feel good nature of the totally superficial new age positivity philosophy and the practice of constant self reassurance had a downside. The next day, JK Rowling's vicious tweet tirade against the trans community dominated the headlines. What did she say? She affirmed that biological sex is a real thing and that it erases women to pretend it's not. People who are mad about everything were also mad about this thing. The internet tried to cancel her. They failed. People joked that it was because she's extremely rich, but it's really because what she said was true and she didn't apologize for saying it. Fans demanded that she stop writing and relinquish the authorship of the Harry Potter story to them, which doesn't even make sense. A school named after her books renamed itself. CNN's race baiting hothead Angela Rye claimed that statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson needed to come down. Donald Trump was mocked relentlessly for suggesting in 2017 it would one day come to that. That was less than three years ago. Back in Seattle, the black American woman who serves as police chief, Carmen Best, said, quote, rapes, robberies and all sorts of violent acts have been occurring in the area and we're not able to get to them, unquote. The police, you recall, were not allowed to leave the United States and enter Chaz Chop without a passport that truthfully needed to be confirmed by SoundCloud warlord Raz Simone. I am not joking. A professor was fired for tweeting out a black American scholars work on the impact of protests on the success of the political agenda they sought and how it was affected negatively by rioting. The scholar was from Princeton. The professor correctly framed and referenced his work. The professor was accused of anti-blackness and dismissed for believing that riots are antithetical to the ostensible goal of rioters. Statues of Winston Churchill were threatened in London. In 2017, the film Darkest Hour was honored with six Oscar nominations. It won two. Gary Oldman, who portrayed a heroic Churchill, won both the Oscar and the Golden Globe for Best Actor. Three years later, the same community that honored a movie about Churchill's heroism decided that times had changed and supported the takedown of Churchill's statues. While COVID deaths were falling across the country and had been for weeks on end, the media emphasized its focus on the metric of cases. Cases means nothing more than reports of positive tests. PCR tests were mixed with antibody tests. There was a delay in getting test results and then a delay in reporting. So each day's information was already days or weeks old. No matter. A person could test multiple times. No matter. Cases continued to rise as testing rapidly increased. The media used this fact to drive fear and politicians used it to justify further lockdowns and business closures. The New York Times published a poorly written screed entitled, yes, we mean literally abolish the police because reform, quote, wouldn't happen. It was written by a woman whose credential was organizer against criminalization, which is not a real thing. Asheville, North Carolina, currently vying for the woke capital of the South after passing a measure for reparations, saw its own autonomous zone coming to life before the baristas inside the zone realized that communism is extremely boring if you don't have decent weather. And the zone fizzled out before it even got to be named Randy or River or Thad. It's a shame since camping in the middle of a city sounds like so much fun. Just ask LA's tens of thousands of homeless. Speaking of people temporarily experiencing homelessness, if COVID was as dangerous as everyone is pretending it is, how has there been no massive homeless outbreak? Are we to pretend that we wouldn't have heard about it? How it would be a cause celebre of the left, a shining example of what racism, poverty, and our healthcare system were doing to our country. It has everything, including the ability to completely reframe the truly outrageous homeless problem in Democrat run cities as somehow a Republican problem that only Democrats can fix. Anthony Fauci warned us that small coronavirus spikes could get much worse if we got any less scared. A British journal published a paper studying whether Italians are really white. Vaffanculo. Howard Cern got in trouble for blackface and saying the N-word in the past. Thank goodness. Am I right? An article in the LA Times from May 12th looked especially strange a month later as the article had celebrated 2019's 30-year low total of police shootings in Los Angeles. Protesters in San Antonio urged the tearing down of the Alamo for some reason. In CHOP, they erected signs that said social distancing is anti-racist. In Chicago, a high school principal was pressured to resign after encouraging students to refrain from rioting. The principal was a black American woman. Huffington Post published an article saying that too many black celebrities had expressed less than glowing feelings about the riots and Black Lives Matter and that they should be, quote, left behind apparently for failing to express the proper opinions for a person with their skin tone. Science magazine revealed that 54 scientists receiving grants from the NIH failed to disclose their financial ties to foreign governments. In 93% of those cases, the foreign country funding them was China. This information came to light after an internal review by the NIH. If I was the responsible news media tasked with informing the world's most powerful nation, I might be interested in finding out whether this could have been detected prior or whether someone high in the ranks of the NIH, say, for instance, their director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, might have been aware of this, having served in that comfortable position for 36 years. I'm sure they considered this until they realized that person is Anthony Fauci, so it couldn't be true. Around that time, the second stage freakouts began in California, Arizona, Texas, and Florida, or as it's known to the media, Arizona, Texas, and Florida. There were some simple explanations for the rise in cases. Some was real disease spread from predominantly joyous riots. Some was due to positive tests recorded when people began returning to hospitals for treatments after months of being shut out. Some was because of rising testing capacity, and some was from patients crossing the border from Mexico to seek care in the affected border states. CNN mentioned this and forgot it completely as blaming Republican governors for deaths replaced sports as a source of entertainment. The age of hospitalizations had dropped to below 40 years old, as one would expect when people are testing positive for COVID after entering the hospital for issues not related to COVID. Hospitals began creeping toward 100% ICU capacity, but never even entered surge capacity, which they had as an available option. No patients were triaged for care despite the daily dose of potential hospital disasters that never materialized. The average hospital stay for COVID had dropped to four days. COVID accounted for around 15% of ICU usage. The media treated this like a nightmare instead of medical professionals caring for mildly ill patients. On June 15th, various outlets reported that New York mayor and dumbest person on the planet, Bill de Blasio, whose former name was Warren Wilhelm Jr., until he changed it twice, instructed contact tracers not to ask people who tested positive for COVID whether or not they had attended the mostly peaceful riots. Then he ordered the metal gates outside parks in Jewish neighborhoods to be welded shut while woke millennials cavorted and sunbathed in thongs at parks across the city. Lockdowns forced the fitness franchise, 24 hour fitness to file for bankruptcy and close a hundred gyms across the country. Wales online reported that Welsh women might need to cut their hair short in the future because their long hair wasn't hygienic enough for our new, mostly normal world. The Wall Street Journal published a report about four new analyses that all indicated overestimations on both the virus danger and the usefulness of lockdowns had driven policy and were not in any way justified by the results. And beyond that had caused more harm than good. They advised an immediate reopening. The story saw its own shadow which means we were in for four more weeks of constantly hearing about cases. Celebrities that are popular somehow, like Chelsea Handler and Jamila Jamil, posted a 30-year-old clip of anti-Semitic hate monger Louis Farrakhan saying something they called powerful while not even realizing who Louis Farrakhan is. 2020, it became clear was a woke revenge Western that ends tragically as the hero looking for revenge slaughters an entire village before realizing that the person he sought revenge upon had already died. Trump signed an executive order on police reform for federal law enforcement after Democrats refused to even debate Tim Scott's Senate police reform bill. Among other things, the order limited the use of chokeholds by federal officers. Senator Scott was the right color to propose a bill, but he is a Republican and Democrats can't give Trump and the Republicans a win on a racial issue this close to an election. That would make it look like Republicans are for racial justice instead of Democrats who are obviously the party of racial justice later in the future, or maybe never. They have a good streak going the Joe DiMaggio of not helping racial issues like Joe's 56 game hitting streak. It's been exactly 56 years since the civil rights act in 1964. Austin's mayor proposed extensive controls on behavior in the city of 2 million people. He estimated 20,000 hospitalizations. If controls were relaxed, they were relaxed anyway, totally reckless. This dangerous level of personal freedom resulted In 19,858, fewer hospitalizations than the mayor predicted, which is to say 42, not 20,000. Baltimore's residents blame their city's spike in murder on reduced police presence. It takes time for everyone to realize that without cops, they can stop committing crime. After all, crime is supposedly a factor of the tense relationship between the police and black Americans. Utopia is predicated on the belief that this period of unrest slash death is temporary and short-lived. Is there any example in history of this being true? Video of a young black man knocking out an old white lady near Gramercy Park in New York went viral. The lady's head smacked a fire hydrant on the way to the ground. The 31-year-old man was arrested. Police sources say the man is a registered sex offender who has been arrested 101 times for harassment, assault, and persistent sexual abuse. He already had a court date from earlier arrests on his schedule when he was taken in. He is now undoubtedly free without posting bail. The Detroit News reported that Michiganders were receiving mail-in ballots addressed to dead relatives or people who had moved. To this day, Democrats are still trying to prevent the passage of a coronavirus relief package, with one of the key issues being the implementation of universal mail-in balloting. Portland police warned residents to shelter in place the real way, not from coronavirus, but from the chiefly harmonious rioting, just to be safe, as black-clad agitators tried night after night to lay siege to the federal courthouse. Variety let us know that there were no fewer than 10 problematic movies that should have warning labels since canceling gone with the wind was never going to be enough on their list. Forrest Gump, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Dirty Harry and True Lies, you know, the sort of stuff that could cause society's downfall. Problematic used to be a word that smart people would use to point out inconsistencies or unjustified moves in logical arguments. Now it's a word that stupid people use to slander a person, place, or thing by calling them racist adjacent, sexist adjacent, etc. It's a way to smuggle in destructive character attacks without taking responsibility for actually calling someone racist. They have no burden. Of supporting their claim because they never really claimed it, but they do get the benefit of ruining the person's name in Google search forever. Meanwhile, 10 people per day were dying of overdose deaths in New Jersey. People freaked out when Florida changed its ICU reporting, not realizing that the change was due to the fact that some hospitals set up their COVID ward in the ICU. Therefore, every covid patient is in the ICU, regardless of their condition. The Surgeon General of Florida confirmed this. This was one of many accusations against Ron DeSantis for lying about the virus that turned out to themselves be untrue. Randomized antibody tests in North Carolina indicated that there were likely 15 to 20 times more infections than reported cases, which sets the estimated infection fatality rate around 0.1%. That's one in a thousand people and virtually no young people whatsoever. Again, a statue of George Washington was toppled in Portland. An American flag was laid across it and burned. The Chicago Tribune published a piece on how the Texas Rangers baseball team should change its name because the actual Texas Rangers were probably horrible racists. Phil Kirpin's tracking of nursing home deaths across the country brought the total to 55%. This is without New York's nursing home numbers, which they have consistently held back for obvious reasons. Mayor Cheryl Selby of Olympia, Washington, accidentally called Black Lives Matter a domestic terrorist organization upon news that her home had been vandalized by primarily harmonious protesters. The Mail Online reported that an alcoholic monkey went on a biting rampage in India after his booze dried up, killing one person and injuring 250. It actually happened in 2017, but they reported it, and it seemed like something that would happen. The UN expressed deep concern that the domestic terrorist organization, Antifa, was being referred to as a domestic terrorist organization by the U.S. government. The central concept of white fragility, the poorly written racist manifesto, was losing its new hate smell and needed to grow. So people on social media began discussing brown fragility for anyone in a non-black minority population who wasn't sufficiently down for the cause. This was no big deal, though, because obviously it was in service of unifying the country. Muhammad Ali's son called Black Lives Matter racist and said his dad would have had nothing to do with them. It's unclear whether statues of the world-renowned hero and civil rights champion, a black American of legendary achievement, would need to be destroyed. An assistant psychology professor at Lafayette College, Angela Bell, declared that, quote, If you have to ask if you are racist, you are. And if you're not asking if you're racist, you are, unquote. Since I totally trust woke women of color about how much emotional labor they say is involved with educating everyone, I would urge assistant professor Bell to conserve words by making her statement more concise and simply saying everyone is racist no matter what except for the people who can't be racist by virtue of their race or political affiliation, at least all the way back in history. In 2013, the Washington Post reported about the findings of the World Values Survey that indicated the United States to be one of the least racist countries in the world. Beyond that, it found that Anglo and Latin countries generally were the most racially tolerant in the world. I'm not even sure if it's socially acceptable to mention this article from seven years ago in the Washington post. That's when we used to be okay with thinking our home is okay. Simply pointing this out can get you accused of hateful thought crimes. The American museum of natural history announced that they would be removing a racist statue of Theodore Roosevelt, as it was widely known this statue caused at least 90% of the race relations problems in the country. The Guardian informed us that we have merely six months to avoid a climate crisis, according to an energy expert. It's important to have a ticking clock in any good doomsday story. Remember how awesome 2012 was when everyone was saying we would die, just like the ancient Mayans always knew we would? Energy expert, by the way, was named one of people's 50 sexiest expert classes. It finished fourth behind political expert, race and gender expert, and science expert. Everyone knows that energy equals climate and that climate comes in just behind politics, race and gender, and the science as the best fields in which to be an expert. And because, coincidentally, they are the four pillars of the Democratic Party platform. Divide on politics, divide on race and gender, claim that everything is about the science, and then tell everyone who's gotten through the first three levels of people who went to college for too long that now they need to use paper straws because otherwise you defy the experts and are now a stupid conspiracy theorist. On June 22nd, Penn State released a study showing that the number of actual COVID infections is 80 times what the number of reported infections is based on data from March. The study's conclusion was that COVID 19 was far more infectious and far less lethal than the central narrative tells us. There's a great deal of work done by Kyle Lamb on viral spread as a factor of latitude. It's very convincing. Considered together the widespread and the outbreaks correlating with latitude would explain quite a lot. The Penn State study did not come anywhere close to entering the narrative, even though one of the study's authors, Justin Silverman, responded that his team stood by the assertion that true infections are far higher than reported cases when I inquired at the end of July. Kyle Lamb doesn't have a verified Twitter account, so he has to participate in the conversation from outside while delivering incredible information to the rest of us. A Barcelona opera house opened to have a string quartet perform before an audience of houseplants. Perhaps the Spanish are crazier than we are. A county in Oregon passed an ordinance that made masks mandatory for white people. They are very woke, surely and very white. Definitely. Oregon is about 85% white. In fact, they have the wokest city in America, Portland. They have had two months of sustained, overwhelmingly loving riots, but Portland as white as it is still realizes that black people are criminals. If that made sense to you for a second and the next second you thought, wait, no, that's racist. Well, friend, you're racist. The fact that you think a law like this makes sense necessitates you having that exact thought process. You assume everyone is as racist as you are. We're not. And that white people are so racist that we think black people wearing the same masks we're also wearing are criminals. No, idiot. Normal people never even think that you thought that. Why do we have to pretend these narratives don't matter and aren't destructive? Let's imagine young black American men just starting their lives. They try to pay attention to current events. On Instagram, they see that some activists they follow decided that there was a danger of black Americans being shot by police for wearing the same masks everyone else wears. Imagine these young men walking down the city streets without masks on. There is virtually no danger in these young men dying from COVID, but imagine this city has truly stringent COVID restrictions where they'll actually arrest and fine people for breaking the rules. I know it sounds like scaremongering, except it's happening right now in New York. So these nice kids are walking through the city without masks on and they're stopped by the police. I don't have to tell the rest of the story because what happens after isn't necessary. If the cops are as bad and as racist as you say they are, then you, by virtue of making the ridiculous claim that cops would accidentally think black Americans wearing the same masks they're wearing are criminals, you've changed the chances of those kids deaths at the hands of the police from zero to something far higher. Not only is telling black Americans that society views them as criminals if they wear masks heinously racist, it has real world impact. It quite literally invents a problem that does not exist based entirely on woke racial prejudices and then destroys the narrative, destroys the chances at cohesion and must destroy black self-worth. Why do we keep pretending these people are not the real racists? FBI agents were called to Talladega Super Speedway to investigate claims that a noose was found in the garage assigned to black NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace. It turned out that the supposed noose was nothing more than a garage door pull. Similarly, knotted ropes were present on other garage doors as well. NASCAR alerted Wallace and the media of the garage door pulls. He was justifiably threatened, though it turns out he had no reason to be. That didn't stop the media from running wild with the story, and it didn't stop Wallace from playing the victim role in multiple media appearances, particularly an interview with CNN's ridiculous primetime host Don Lemon. Nothing about the situation was healthy on any side, and it would have been completely avoided were we not in the middle of an exploited and exploitable national uprising. Bubba Wallace has likely been in thousands of garages before. Are we to imagine he's never seen a garage door pull tied that way? But the moment being what it is, someone else is forced to think, oh, black driver, that's a noose. Now Bubba Wallace has to spend time thinking that he's victim to what's essentially a death threat and that the community that made him a star actually hates him for his skin. An essay emerged from 1995 by writer of the historically fictional 1619 Project, Nicole Hannah Jones. In it, Jones wrote that, quote, The white race is the biggest murderer, rapist, pillager, and thief of the modern world. Unquote. That's okay, though, because later in the piece she wrote, quote, After everything those barbaric devils did, I don't hate them or their descendants. Unquote which is extremely believable. On June 24th, the California legislature struck these words from the state's constitution. The state shall not discriminate against or grant preferential treatment to any individual or group on the basis of race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin. This was met with the uproar one would expect, which is to say no uproar whatsoever, because codifying discrimination into our laws meant to apply to everyone is no longer racist. It's anti-racist. If discriminating on the basis of race sounds wrong to you, well, that's because you're racist in that logic heroically racist fool Ibram X. Kendi wrote in his racist screed, how to be an anti-racist quote, the defining question is whether discrimination is creating equity or inequity. If discrimination is creating equity, then it is anti-racist. If discrimination is creating inequity, then it is racist. Unquote. The word discriminate means to make a distinction between two things to do so, and then choose based on skin color is not anti-racist and cannot be. It's quite literally why discrimination is wrong. If two people are up for a job and they are equally valuable to the company, one will get chosen and one will not. If that's on the basis of race, it's racism. If they are not equally valuable to the company, and the company is forced to hire a less qualified employee on the basis of race, this would also be racist. If you assigned racial designations here, black and white, to who was and was not hired, that is also racist. But worse than all of this, it necessarily implies that black Americans cannot compete on an even playing field. And we simply know that is not true. Kennedy's philosophy is disgusting. Like the vast majority of the left these days, it completely misunderstands human nature and runs in direct opposition to actual solutions. We don't even need to know 20th century history to understand this. The state of New York slashed daily testing numbers, bringing their new case numbers down dramatically. Strange how that works so well in blue states. The Atlantic published an article about how my little pony fans are ready to admit they have a Nazi problem. They are a very serious media organization. The Simpsons decided that having white actors do voices for non-white cartoon characters was a relic of white supremacy. Thank goodness. A city clerk in Detroit was charged with six felonies for making unauthorized and inaccurate changes to ballots if people would just stop voting Republican, they wouldn't be forced to change the ballots to begin with. And then it's not a crime in Norway. All gyms were opened because a study had found they were not in fact vectors for transmission. Norway's health officials are on record saying they should not have locked down. They are correct. We didn't get to hear much more about that. Unfortunately, There still have been no media outlets and no democratic politicians, even willing to engage the point that lockdowns are a failure. As Trump often says, has any Democrat encouraged opening schools in their state? The debate is always about how we shouldn't, but if we absolutely must, we should at least make thousands of impossible to meet guidances so that parents who can't be bothered to learn anything about the disease won't sue us. It's pathetic. On August 7th, as the coronavirus relief package negotiations were ended, Trump having called the Democrats bluff on the demands of the teachers unions and blue state bailouts, Andrew Cuomo announced that schools would indeed open. Chuck Schumer pulled his mask down and announced that all schools should open as staying closed would destroy the economy. Without debate in the media or elsewhere, the governor of New York and the Senate minority leader did a complete about face. Are we to imagine this was based on the science? That's not how science works. It is how holding children hostage for political concessions works. Where was the uproar from their immediate reversal? What if Trump had done that? But it wasn't just the schools. They were holding Americans' ability to pay rent and buy food hostage as well because they wanted to give money to Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom to fill the budget shortfalls of extraordinarily unfunded pensions and overspending on pet projects like invisible bullet trains and homeless housing for 10,000 people at a cost of $140,000 per unit, now up to $700,000 per unit, 40% of which goes to consultants who will navigate the regulations, the same politics put in place. That sounds a lot like California is spending $7 billion of taxpayer money to house 10,000 homeless people in projects. They will call you racist, uncaring, sexist, homophobic, whatever it takes. If a relationship partner treated you this way, you'd see it for what it is, systemic emotional abuse. They play to your deepest instinct to be loved to be thought of not as a bad person, and they return to this well until it is absolutely dry. This is no way to live in society. Hulu removed an episode of Golden Girls due to a potential incident of blackface. The Telegraph published a piece on how lockdowns were destroying our immune system. In Minnesota, testing revealed steep increases in infections in the 20 to 29 age group, and then our betters told us, that it could not be from the extraordinarily mellow insurrection that left Minneapolis's streets looking like a bomb struck Middle Eastern hellscape. The Daily Beast attempted to cancel Van Jones for working with the Trump administration on criminal justice reform because helping people is only noble sometimes, depending on political advantages. A guillotine worthy of chop was placed outside Jeff Bezos's home by worthy of chop. I mean, it was poorly conceived, poorly executed, and made people look like historically illiterate dorks rather than revolutionaries. The rest of June was consumed by fear-addled stories of overrun hospitals and huge spikes where none existed. Surely, California, Arizona, Texas, and Florida did see increases in caseloads and hospitalizations, but nothing that could have warranted the constant panic. No, they did not need freezer trucks for bodies. No, hospitals didn't have to decide who would live and die. Yes, I know there were articles about how it could happen, even though there was no chance in the data proved it, or about how hospitals had made contingency plans in case they were overrun. But of course they did that. That's what smart hospital administrators do. They perceive a threat and take it seriously, knowing that it may not happen. They respond accordingly, and if the problem never arises, they don't take the most drastic countermeasures anyway. If only Gavin Newsom had used the data properly and intelligently, those in the fear business didn't bother noting that the average age of hospitalization had dropped below 40 years old, meaning there was virtually no chance of death without severe comorbidities or bodily harm. They didn't bother noting Now that hospitals were open to elective surgeries, people were heading in to get the care they'd been forced to delay. They didn't bother noting that people were going to the hospital for reasons entirely unrelated to COVID, but were tested when they entered, shooting the case number even higher. They didn't bother noting that testing may itself create more cases because they never consider the disease simply isn't that deadly, but is extremely widespread and has been for nine months or more. A test can still record positive at 83 days. You could have been asymptomatic months ago and never known it. Your case is not indicative of a spike. They didn't bother noting that. Famous stores and businesses that were left unprotected during rioting and looting in New York City began suing to end their leases as their locations had become unworkable and extraordinarily overpriced. Individual citizens are doing the same thing. Now, Andrew Cuomo is begging wealthy New Yorkers to come back to the state while he's trying to raise their taxes. The city is dangerous and dismantled. It's culture damaged. He even offered to personally buy them drinks. Can you imagine what type of deranged, politics-obsessed person would choose to see their city destroyed and their taxes raised, but forgive it for a round of drinks with the governor? I cannot. But apparently, Andrew Cuomo knows quite a few. That should worry everyone. Drinks with politicians are the process of trading money for power and influence. How many favors will Andrew Cuomo owe and to whom? And why should anyone be forced to fund his corruption and incompetence? As July began, California's woke authoritarians canceled all firework displays and banned all 4th of July gatherings, making sure to note that approved protests were still okay. The L.A. County Sheriff even stated that he would not be enforcing the beach restrictions. On the night of the 4th, the Los Angeles skies were constantly alight with small explosions, tiny fuck yous for the people most deserving. They were just protecting us, though, from the coronavirus that we mostly can't get outside and can't die from just by virtue of being relatively healthy and not over 65 years old, like most everything else. Studies continue to be released, showing that a massive portion of the population, perhaps as much as 80 percent, has prior immunity. This is the sort of information responsible journalists would be trying to fully understand, since it has life changing consequences for the entire world. But there's no one competent or responsible enough to bother. News of border crossings for people seeking covid care popped up briefly on media sites here and there and then disappeared. The narrative that red state lockdowns had failed was a far better story from their point of view than saying that some of the new spread wasn't community spread at all. It was politically and financially profitable to focus on Texas, Georgia, and Florida while leaving out Southern California, whose problem was equivalent. How odd. Gavin decided that everyone was in danger of enjoying their lives and restarting their businesses, so he made the executive decision to close things once again, based on the science. Protests still okay. Very intelligent activists with Black Lives Matter decided that July 7th was going to be a nationwide economic blackout where black Americans would refuse to spend money to really stick it to the economically crippled businesses that usually fulfill their needs. No one did it, of course. Because there are far fewer stupid people in the world than there are in activist circles. Black America creates more wealth than all but 16 countries in the world. There isn't a sensible business person in America who doesn't already understand the concept Black Lives Matter is pretending to educate people about. It's worth noting that the threat to pull black money out of the economy is only a threat if there's a whole lot of black wealth. It's strange they don't know that sometimes. No one outside Iowa has heard anything about a spike in Iowa. They had cases. The cases disappeared. They don't wear masks. No issue. Everything is a mystery. Daily reported COVID deaths hit their lowest point since early April, and we found out that 13 tons of hair cut from the Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps was headed around the world to be turned into hair extensions. Trump began saying China virus again. Reporters skipped the Uyghur hair story and called China virus racist. Real adult reporters in the White House press corps get a chance to ask the president anything they want, and they choose to ask about how he refers to a virus. Meanwhile, the media created a story about Trump allowing Russia to pay bounties to Taliban forces if they could kill American servicemen. No one cared if it happened or not. There was virtually no support for the truth of the story anywhere. The story was widely debunked, but the media simply switched their premises and continued on, pretending that the president was failing to protect U.S. troops. They carried this narrative forward while the Congress was busy blocking Trump from pulling troops out of Afghanistan, though these stories happening in consort was just surely a coincidence. Totally unrelated. Officials in Rockland County, New York began imposing $2,000 per day fines and issued subpoenas for people who'd attended a party and refused to participate in contact tracing. Wes Yang reminded us on Twitter that studies done on Russian disinformation showed that 96% of their work in 2016 was directly related to posts about Black Lives Matter and police brutality. Black Lives Matter only activates in election years. How could that be? Antibody studies in Florida showed true infections to be 11 times as high as reported cases, making the fatality rate equivalent to or even less than the flu. Of course, like everywhere else, the deaths were clustered in the elderly and immunocompromised with virtually no children at risk. The media chose to focus on pictures of beaches, conspiracies about Ron DeSantis and large case numbers due to little more than an astonishing amount of testing in Copenhagen it was decided that a statue of the Little Mermaid should be removed. They determined it was a, quote, racist fish. NPR opined that Christianity was the root of white supremacy. ICUs that were at 97% of capacity horrified us because we didn't know that the same ICUs ran at 95% capacity last year. A study in Georgia was published showing that most of the nursing home deaths Georgia suffered could have been prevented through early screening. Maybe the authors are right, maybe they're not. But for a disease with a median age over 80, we can see how panic about population-wide vulnerability shifted the focus from where it would have actually helped. It is, in fact, quite dangerous to be so ignorant. Boeing's communication chief was forced to resign over an article he wrote 33 years ago expressing that he didn't believe women should be placed in military combat roles. The horror. The vast majority of the country agreed with this position 33 years ago. The vast majority still does. They just won't say it because they want to stand for the right cause, and it won't be their daughters on the front lines. At the same time, Kamala Harris's minions were working overtime to scrub her Wikipedia page so people wouldn't easily know the truth about her now that she's been selected to be Joe Biden's running mate, while unceasingly praying for his death on November 4th. The Los Angeles Times breathlessly informed us that Californians were getting used to coronavirus and that our collective cessation of paranoia should be momentary at best. They promptly touted metrics that don't matter and declared a spike that was, of course, fully explained by every human activity that wasn't in some way linked to an undeniably wholesome disintegration of human norms in peaceful protest. They've been happy to leave cannabis shops, liquor stores, and gas stations open to sell lottery tickets and cigarettes. That's a lot of highly taxable economic activity pouring into state coffers while small businesses are destroyed permanently. On July 3rd, Eric Garcetti finally admitted that the primarily unmurderous protests may have contributed to the spread of the virus. In fact, it couldn't have turned out better. Totally invulnerable people helped us achieve herd immunity without confronting the myriad shortcomings of the lockdown's unmitigated disaster. What could be better than an advancement of the socialist authoritarian power grab while spiking new case numbers enough to scare everyone into wanting to stay home more while getting paid? At the end of the day, our dad and savior, Eric Garcetti, sat us on his great knee and told us in a soft voice, we're going to have to celebrate differently this year. Everyone should cancel plans with others for the 4th of July. You shouldn't gather with anyone who doesn't live in your household. Please stay home and save lives. It's that simple. No, Eric, it isn't that simple. What kind of adult with any sense of human agency accepts being talked to like that? Well, one who's happy to repeat the same message to others in the same patronizing tone and the same false authority. Leaders convince you that they have discerned what's right and ask you to follow them. If that's not how you operate, guess what that makes you? Brett Weinstein a renowned evolutionary biologist, and others proved fairly conclusively that SARS-CoV-2 could not have jumped from a bat or a pangolin at the Wuhan wet market and almost definitely emerged from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, with some level of lab manipulation causing it to be far more contagious. This is not to say it was weaponized or deployed as a weapon, though it may have been. It's only to say that the fairly intuitive and now scientifically supported view that Tom Cotton held in January and for which he was called a racist conspiracy theorist is almost definitely true. This has massive implications for the potential of a World War Three level event, assuming we're not already in one. A study from the University of British Columbia found that a third of the study participants admitted, quote, at some point in their lives, they have pretended to be hurt or harmed physically or psychologically to increase the chances of getting something they wanted, Unquote. If you're interested in knowing why woke culture exists, why cancel culture exists, why middle class people who don't want to work and a segment of the ultra rich think they are society's victims. Here you go. It's become normal to deny what this is. It's sociopathy. When someone feigns harm, they signal to other people that people in trouble are lying. When an unemployed actress from a middling sitcom 30 years ago cries on social media that someone was rude to her 30 years ago, and then people suddenly care about whatever her dim mind emanates, that actress is a sociopath. When a huge segment of society echoes her while trying to claim their old power from someone being rude a long time ago, you've located a whole lot of sociopaths. Cars in New Jersey stretch in a line for miles as the abandoned workers, fathers, and mothers waited for free food so their kids could eat because they weren't allowed to earn the living required to feed them or improve anyone's lives or businesses while doing so. The NBA released their list of approved social justice nameplates the players were allowed to add to their jerseys after making sure China approved. Along with Black Lives Matter, I Can't Breathe, and Say Their Names, the NBA included real winners such as I Am A Man, Group Economics, and the Spanish translation of Obama's campaign slogan, Si Se Puede. Freedom and liberation were options, but neither applied to the NBA state sponsor, China, where for the sake of Asian basketball jersey sales, the woke league took a pass on denouncing actual concentration camps in the same area where the NBA is scouting political prisoners forced to learn basketball if they're tall enough. As yet, no lives have been saved by the new nameplates. The Imperial College model says woke slogans on jerseys could save potentially 10 million people, or as it's known in the real world, three people. They haven't yet measured the impact of sweatshops and re-education camps on the NBA's bottom line. Probably awesome, though. No one bothered realizing that by mid-June, COVID no longer met the standard to be classified as an epidemic in the United States. We currently have a disease spread that's less harmful and concerning than swine flu and less deadly than influenza. Better stock the shelves. That evening, the 3rd of July, Donald Trump was delayed from speaking before his rally at Mount Rushmore by mostly peaceful protesters standing up for a mostly peaceful yet totally incorrect falsehood about the country's history. They blocked the road into Mount Rushmore for a while until the adults removed them. Trump arrived in Marine One, The Blue Angels did a flyover. Trump gave a speech railing against division and the intentional rewriting of history against the backdrop of the faces of American greatness carved into a mountain of stone. People who get mad at everything also got mad at this. Trump spent the speech calling Confederates traitors and speaking up for the heroism that made the country great in the first place. He went through a long list of great Americans of all backgrounds, announcing a plan to build a statuary park where they would be memorialized forever, like a hall of fame for American excellence. Trump's speech was called dark and divisive by New York Times employees who didn't watch. Washington Post employees who also didn't watch the speech said he was exploiting social division. CNN employees who didn't watch the speech said it dragged America backwards with a message of rage. These people see unity as everyone being bludgeoned into agreeing with them, a less than attractive dress rehearsal of our possible future in plain sight. A member of the New York City Education Council ruined a Zoom meeting by screaming at a white man that he should not be bouncing his black friend's small child on his knee. When everyone's jaws dropped in horror, she made sure to let everyone know that she was actually being quite heroic. And if they too had read white fragility, they'd know how wrong it is for a white man to be nice to his black friend's baby. As yet, there have been no major outbreaks in the media of in-flight panic porn. Planes have been relatively free from disease spread because COVID apparently doesn't transmit as well inside flying canisters as it does in small outdoor spaces on the ground. People wore masks sometimes, even though masks didn't even work back then. We're just lucky we found out masks worked retroactively or who knows how many people would have been senselessly destroyed. We have seen arguments and delays of flights caused by people who can't mind their own business about masks. And we saw eruptions of racial violence in the non-racist direction. Don't worry around baggage claims, but somehow no airborne outbreaks. We're so lucky on July 5th. A rogue group of cosplaying Black Panther militants calling themselves the Not Fucking Around Coalition put on military gear, grabbed their guns and aligned themselves in military formations before proceeding to walk up and down rural Georgia roads, demanding that the white people they were stopping and threatening pay reparations. This would normally be considered armed robbery, but it's important to remember that we're in a moment of racial progress. So these robberies of innocent people just driving around are like little misdemeanors of equality, not actual crimes. The last weekend in July, a branch of the NFAC had their next recital, this time in Louisville, Kentucky. They united to talk about justice for Breonna Taylor. They accidentally shot three people. It's unclear as to whether or not they were fucking around when they did so. Nobel laureate Michael Levitt estimated that the actual saturation to achieve herd immunity was 500 deaths per million in the United States and even lower for younger, healthier populations. It's important to realize that this was roughly his stance five months ago as well. Nothing has changed. Not only was it possible to know all the crucial decision-making information back then, they did know it. Imagine if we had listened to the right scientists five months ago or any time in between. Instead, we listened to a man who's been in permanent government bureaucracy for three and a half decades. We were cowed into deference and supplication by epidemiologists. Epidemiologists aren't even scientists. They're basically math nerds with ideas about how to remake the future in their image. Could there ever be a worse set of people to turn to? Dispatches from Portland detailed a war scene between Antifa rioters and the Portland police. Remember, this is early July before the feds got there and started the violence, a mere five weeks after the violence had started. A Black Lives Matter leader in Toronto took to the internet to educate us all about whiteness. According to Yusra Ali, white people are a genetic defect of blackness and white people need white supremacy as a mechanism to protect their survival because all they can do is produce themselves. She's correct that us whites haven't figured out how to birth Thundercats, but I'm certain It's got nothing to do with white supremacy. Anthony Fauci came out in favor of mask wearing, but not a national mandate requiring masks. His rationale was simple. He did not believe it should be a top down federal decision. I don't know what we did to deserve such freedom and self-reliance, but I'm glad we did it or else we get the hose again. Fauci had no qualms usurping administration policy and advocating for a national lockdown on CNN in April. It's nice to see him discover federalism four months after it mattered. It does make you wonder why he wouldn't be more forceful about something that works according to the two-month-old science for which we now must ignore the entire history of prior science like when in 2015, the British Medical Journal published a randomized trial of 1,600 healthcare workers and found people who wore masks were six times more likely to acquire flu-like illness over the course of four weeks. On the CDC's website, you can access distribution data for the Provider Relief Fund, the provision in the CARES Act that pays medical providers on the number of COVID patients they've handled. You can see the amounts paid to hospitals all over the country, some reaching into the tens of millions of dollars. In his testimony before Congress in late July, Director of the CDC, Robert Redfield, answered a question from Blaine Lukemeyer about the, quote, perverse incentives created for hospitals to overinflate their numbers, fully admitting it was happening. This isn't secret information flowing through 8chan. It's congressional testimony from the experts that people refuse to believe and refuse to reckon with, preferring to create chaos over cases and stick to their story even as it destroys the country. A peer-reviewed journal article published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences was retracted. The 2019 article stated that when police violence statistics are adjusted for rates of violent crime, racial disparities disappear. This work was cited by a non-woke writer, making it very dangerous knowledge, which then caused the knowledge to be stricken from the record. So we can just return to the Stone Age and grunt at one another in whichever way confirms our desires. Eric Garcetti let us know that, quote, a test is not a passport to party as if he's the pathetic simpleton making sure the Footloose kids can't dance with Kevin Bacon. France announced they would not be attempting a second lockdown. L.A. Unified School District estimated that 40,000 high school students didn't attend a single online class in the spring. 30 to 40 percent of urban students are expected to drop out completely. New Orleans Saints safety Malcolm Jenkins who castigated Drew Brees for saying he thinks people should stand for the national anthem, announced that Jewish people aren't his problem. Australia's government must have forgotten to update their COVID guidance, as it still stated that masks did not work, but did provide a false sense of security, and that even N95 masks would likely be improperly used, nullifying any possible benefit. Perhaps we should let them know what the science says now. Perhaps it would say something about mask mouth, a condition that causes bad breath and cavities, since it's not at all natural for people to be wearing masks for no reason. A medical expert on NBC continued to detail his experience with COVID, despite having tested negative four times and positive zero times. His repeated negative tests caused great concern for NBC talk show hosts Savannah Guthrie, Hoda Kotb, and Craig Melvin, who called his negative tests scary and a cautionary tale. Thank goodness the expert virologist, Dr. Joseph Fair, survived the harrowing ordeal. Who knows how much worse it could have been if he actually had the virus. Gavin Newsom decided to expedite the release of 8,000 California inmates, adding to the 10,000 he released earlier in the year. Hopefully, they will establish residents in time to receive their Democratic Party ballots for Election Day. JP Morgan, a company whose projections have quite a bit riding on them, found that, quote, opening dates, mobility changes and other empirically measured behaviors do not lead to higher infections in any statistically consistent way. Unquote. People went ahead and ignored this, deciding that restaurants and schools should probably be ended forever. And there was no way to have fans at baseball and football stadiums without people who aren't even in attendance being scared by proxy. Like any responsible person would do, people who weren't going to attend sporting events made sure no one else could attend sporting events either. On July 12th, the New York Post reported on New York City's 15 shooting incidents in 15 hours, as if Bill de Blasio was trying to set a record or win a costume contest by dressing his city up to resemble an actual war zone. Outlets around the country scared us with stories about how Texas hospital ICUs were overwhelmed, but declined to tell us that the same ICUs were, in reality, busier a month prior. Seems like relevant context, but what do I know? I don't have a journalism degree, so I must be wrong. Scottish cancer deaths soared as 900 people died at home during lockdowns, unable to get treated. In the U.S., the Prevent Cancer Foundation found that 35% of Americans had missed routine cancer screenings. They estimate 10,000 excess deaths from colorectal cancer and breast cancer alone as a result of missed screenings. The New York Times stopped short of celebrating Florida taking the lead in cases. They declined to mention it was primarily due to increases in testing and increased infection in young people. They also declined to mention there is roughly zero probability that Florida's COVID situation could mirror New York's in any significant way. Florida's deaths per million are roughly one sixth of New York's and New Jersey's. New York and New Jersey have the highest death rates in the world. Florida has the 20th highest death rate in America. The top 12 highest death rates in the U.S. appear in states governed by Democrats and Washington, D.C., whose incompetent mayor is also a Democrat. An adjustment to Texas's data reporting exposed a potential overestimate resulting from recording sick patients as having COVID without even testing them. Probable COVID was not just a classification for deaths anymore. It could be applied to anything, deaths, hospitalizations, and now cases. And yes, medical providers are incentivized to call things COVID, and medical providers are incentivized to do so without even testing for COVID. It's a flawless system if you're looking to get hospitals paid after closing them down on the advice of bad modelers. Stories of human organ harvesting inside the concentration camps in Xinjiang probably made the employees of the New York Times think, oh, that sounds sad. They wouldn't do that before putting the finishing touches on their pro TikTok blog posts. Influencer management agencies sent emails around to California models, influencers and celebrities offering to pay them to post about the benefits of masks. Since no one can actually describe the benefits in any coherent way, the posts were meant to simply propagandize Californians into compliance. Taxpayers paid the state and then the state transferred taxpayer money to influencers so influencers could tell the taxpayers... To wear masks. If I wanted to pay for someone to feed me propaganda, I'd just resubscribe to the New York Times. NBC News, to their dismay, reported that more intelligence officials stated there was no conclusive intel on Russian bounties. Employees of the corporation took to Twitter to let us know that Russia had been paying the Taliban for years prior to Trump, but that it was still his fault for not saying anything, as if the foreign policy statements of American presidents should be released in accordance with the needs of partisan news content outlets. In stark contrast to Los Angeles' shameless teachers' union, Orange County declared that their schools would be open for in-person classes without bowing to any demands made by the hostage-taking union bosses. Mobility data showed that the U.S.'s lockdowns were on par with most locations around the world. Knowing this, Anthony Fauci still blamed the country's new cases on the fact that we hadn't locked down enough. In his congressional testimony, he said that European countries had locked down 95%, which is spectacularly untrue, unless he's basing that statistic on whatever he needs it to say to justify his months of horrific leadership. Sweden did not lock down. Sweden barely mitigated. Anthony Fauci has praised New York state and its clownish buffoon of a governor. Sweden has outperformed New York on every imaginable measure by simply not doing much of anything. Anthony Fauci to this day still sees New York as a model for success and Sweden as reckless. No one this dishonest or delusional should ever be put in a position of leadership. If Anthony Fauci was a military commander, you can imagine he'd recommend continual retreat until his army circled the entire globe backwards, hoping that by the time he appeared behind the enemy, it had forgotten about the battle completely. On July 13th, Gavin Newsom realized that Trump might not bail out California's pension fund and ever-increasing lockdown-induced revenue shortage, so he decided to modify the lockdown diktats and drive the state and its residents deeper into debt. The state's unfunded pension and employee health care liabilities reach into the hundreds of billions. Surely, Gavin will be able to manage us out of this if he's not recalled, which he likely will be. Primarily helpful rioters with the North American Man Boy Love Association, or NAMBLA, a real organization, proudly marched with Black Lives Matter, holding signs that came out strongly against pedo bashing and the journalist Mike Cernovich, in addition to white supremacy. It's hard to imagine that pedo bashing is a relic of white supremacy and not simply a relic of parents not wanting their child's lives destroyed by newly empowered predators why an advocacy group is needed for illegal and immoral sexual relationships between adult men and young boys is worth wondering about. Perhaps more disturbing is the fact that they're welcomed into Black Lives Matter protests in the first place. Woke pedophilia is actually a position that some in their movement support. Yes, for real, there was a TED talk on it. The New York Times has run op-eds trying to reframe pedophilia as a sexual orientation, not a crime. A woke blogger at the Los Angeles Times told us it was time to find a new national anthem that wouldn't conflict with people's sensitivities. Reports rolled in about people who'd signed up for COVID tests, left after hours of waiting without being tested, and then received positive test results in the mail. Facilities across Florida threw out negative tests and reported 100% positives. An update to California's guidance noted that because PCR tests can record positive results long after the point where the disease could remain contagious, 83 days in fact, and therefore there was no point in requiring a negative test before allowing people to resume work. One might wonder what the value in testing healthy people is one would find no answer because there is no answer. The original answer was to track the virus. It's amazing anyone thought that would work and depressing that people wanted it. People still want it. Instead, we focused on testing and the media focused on how many times we found a positive. The ones who can no longer transmit the disease, people who get tested every two days for work, antibody tests, and even probable cases counted. Cases that did not even have a test were called probable COVID. I wonder how many of the dead under 40 without any preconditions even had a confirmed case. How many of those died specifically because they were put on a ventilator? Los Angeles mayor and whispering fool Eric Garcetti was sued for laughing at sexual harassment claims against members of his personal police detail. He has not yet been canceled. In fact, he's hard at work for the Biden campaign, likely gunning for a role in the Biden administration, which would allow him to leave his job in L.A. behind where someone else can clean up his mess so he can mumble on stage at the Democratic National Convention. The New York Times announced a foray into content creation on a broader scale, now planning to release scripted television shows. Months back, when I first called the New York Times a content app, I had no idea how far they would go. They create content for a specific demographic based on marketing data. They sell this same marketing data to advertisers who use it to target the New York Times readership, whose primary characteristics are an unquestioning gullibility, a comfortable level of disposable income, and an endless appetite for having their self-image reaffirmed for them. Nick Cannon went on a racist rant against Jews and white people, calling them true savages who constantly rape, murder, and steal. Through his PR, he made a statement of apology. And despite his deeply held beliefs in scientific racism, was able to keep his job hosting the masked singer. He made a real apology a few weeks later, posting a picture of Barry Weiss's book, how to fight antisemitism. Good for him. He has yet to apologize to white people, Because white people don't need apologies, apparently, according to a certain moral compass. New York recorded another 18 shootings in 24 hours. The youngest to die was 22 months old. The defunding of police marched ever forward. A report from Relief Web International estimated that thousands of people in India and Africa would die of lockdown induced starvation by the end of the year a peer-reviewed study published in the revered journal nature found that 50% of people who had not been infected or exposed to COVID had robust prior T cell immunity. This has been confirmed multiple times. The fact that a substantial portion of the population cannot even contract COVID has not yet joined the central narrative. Another point, that should have world changing consequences lands with a thud because the country's top level bloggers are focused on finding places with high case reporting numbers. A New York professor was condemned by 2000 of her peers for falling asleep during a zoom meeting that would have fixed racism. If she had stayed awake during the indoctrination, now we have to start over. Anthony Fauci took time out of his busy television appearance schedule to sit down for a photo shoot to be featured in a glowing profile in InStyle magazine. The headline quoted Fauci saying, quote, with all due modesty, I think I've been pretty effective. Like anyone self-consciously chasing fame and adoration, he's unable to discern what actual modesty is, or even why someone in his high position should have to exercise it. I'd rather see him explain, with all due modesty, what he thinks he got right about the pandemic. CNN removed their COVID counter from the screen during broadcasts, as it was no longer rising quickly enough to properly scare their audience. This is a rooted indication that the decision makers at the network can see the pandemic coming to an end. It has not changed their coverage in the least. They simply shifted to proposing new ways for children to die and making parents fear something that is logically unworthy of fear in any way. Texas removed nearly 3,500 cases from its total after realizing they'd been including probable cases. Whoopsie. In an act of genuine courage, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp prohibited the cities and counties of his state from instituting mask mandates. People who get upset about everything also got upset about this. But the science was, of course, on Kemp's side. Reports out of San Francisco detailed the unmitigated disaster that was California's Hotels for Homeless program. The state decided to take the homeless off the street and put them into hotels that were closed by lockdown. The homeless were fed and supplied with whatever drugs they needed. Yes, really. Fox News reported that the situation inside the hotels was pandemonium. Drug-fueled parties funded by taxpayers leading to overdoses and deaths. Hopefully, Gavin will be able to keep them alive and sated long enough to deliver them their mail-in ballots. And if other ballots reach them, well, they've been shut out of the process for long enough, right? Naturally, you'll assume this is a conspiracy theory, though it's anything but. Four men were arrested in late July and charged with felonies for paying homeless people to fill out ballots. The Times of London reported that there had not yet been a single case in the world of a student infecting a teacher with the coronavirus. There are parts of the world that have had children in schools throughout America's summer. We have politicians, unions, and the media telling us that opening schools is unsafe. They are entirely willing to sacrifice a generation of American children to grow and retain their power. There is no scientifically valid reason to keep children at home. The director of the CDC testified to this before Congress. Health directors the world over are confidently putting children back in school. Andrew Cuomo announced to the world that people were fleeing other states because we've become the safe state. This is a few weeks prior to him begging wealthy New Yorkers to come back to the city he destroyed and pay for the most expensive drinks anyone ever pretended to buy them. President Trump resumed his daily briefings, but without the doctors in the room. He read from prepared remarks and then took questions. CNN and MSNBC chose not to air his scripted remarks, though they were all completely about the status of coronavirus in the nation. They cut to him once the time for questions from the White House press corps had arrived so they could air the brave reporters try to make the president look like a fool. They failed rather spectacularly. COVID tests came back positive for people who had not even taken COVID tests. They had signed up and then left before testing due to long wait times. Nonetheless, they were COVID positive and cases were reported by very honest people. On July 21st, the CDC estimated that the true infections were six to 24 times the number of reported cases. There's no reason whatsoever to assume the low end of that number, particularly because they had estimated 10 in 12 already, and because multiple other studies show it much higher. The lowest end of this number would mean the disease has the capacity to kill five out of 1,000 people, over half of them above the age of 80, and nearly all with comorbidities, meaning COVID was an accessory to their death. This makes sense considering how many were recorded from nursing homes alone. That same day, Twitter decided to begin removing accounts related to QAnon. Most people think QAnon is about crazy racist lunatics talking about demons and child sacrifice and pizza. It is not, though those people do exist among the followers of Q. QAnon itself is not about that. If you haven't paid attention to any of the media summaries about what it is, the short version is that Q is said to be someone with close access to President Trump, likely a military figure. He occasionally posts on an Internet message board. The posts are written in a style that is cryptic, only if you pay no attention to news or world events. The cryptic pieces are built on prior abbreviations in prior posts. While they are open to interpretation, which leads to countless ancillary theories, the premise is simple. Politicians, government officials, and other notable people have committed serious crimes and will answer for them by the time the election rolls around. It could be someone pulling a great trick on Trump supporters. It could be a foreign psyop or it could be true to chalk it up as a lunatic conspiracy theory about Dungeons and Dragons is to succumb to the urge to delegitimize everyone who doesn't agree with you. I have no idea if it's true. But as it indicates future events that may well come to pass between now and the election, it seems silly to say it will not, and sillier still, to use its existence to slander people as the press does. It surely isn't something that Twitter has any business banning from its platform. They cover this by telling you it's racist and dangerous. Every message board in the history of the internet has racists. Q itself is not racist. Likewise, any group seen as fringe will have actual fringe members, but Q itself is in no way violent. Also that day, the Los Angeles County COVID dashboard showed 72% of currently hospitalized patients were Hispanic. Around 48% of Los Angeles County is Hispanic. Around 28% is white white Angelinos counted for 2% of the COVID cases. The statistical likelihood of this happening naturally must be quite small. This is not the sort of thing you can just explain away by housing or healthcare standards, but the racists on the left will try. At this point, hospitalizations had been headed down for 18 days. Portland riders began showing up with umbrellas They were using as shields, real scrappy bunch of domestic terrorists. They are that night, the Houston fire department and the police department responded to a scene at the consulate general of China, where documents were being burned after the Trump administration had ordered the consulate closed. Definitely could have been an unrelated accident. Go with that. It's how you explain everything else, right? The University of Washington studied 3,000 school children who had been home during lockdowns. They found 68% of them were suffering from depression. We are happily ruining our children's brains because we can't accept the risks posed by a virus that is less risky for them than the flu. Remember, we have a flu vaccine and most people, myself included, do not take it. That's how little we care about the risk of the flu. And it's how little we should. In Seattle, plans emerged showing that King County Executive Dow Constantine intended to close the county jail, leaving nothing in its place. The Minnesota Star Tribune reported that rioters who burned down a pawn shop had failed to peacefully recognize that a person was inside. His charred body was found nearly two months later in the wreckage. Apparently, his life did not matter. I wonder if Nicole Hannah-Jones still believes that destruction of cities is nonviolent. The Cato Institute published a survey showing that 62% of Americans felt they could not express their true political beliefs. In what is supposed to be an open society, one founded on the individual's right to self-determination in thought, speech, and action, one that understands the vital importance of open political debate, this is deeply disturbing and deeply sad. This is not a both sides issue. One side happily cancels, censors, bans and boycotts everything in their way, including the people close to them. Andrew Cuomo attempted to blame Republicans in Congress for delaying passage of more COVID money for states. What he was really asking was for the American people to bail out the poor management of himself and other blue state governors. Bernie Sanders put forward a bill to slash the Pentagon budget. It was voted down 77 to 23. Even half of Democrats said no. Thankfully, Bernie and his fellow socialists have always lost in Congress and at the ballot box when they have to face new constituents. It should be everyone's responsibility to ensure they continue to. On July 22nd, A San Francisco attorney filed a lawsuit against Gavin Newsom to force him to open schools. An operator at a national sexual assault hotline reported over 60,000 calls in May and June, the highest in Rain's 26-year history. Half of them were children. The pandemic did not do this. Lockdown and mass culture did this. Morally weak people encouraged other morally weak people to comply, so none of them would be forced into a place of personal moral responsibility. They were just trying to help and happy to use what everyone else was doing to cover their own moral failure. The L.A. Times changed the headline about how federal officers in Portland were only interested in violent criminals after a reader had tweeted at them and told them essentially that the headline made them feel bad. Bill Gates took to MSNBC to let everyone know that schools should be safe to return to by the fall of 2021. And who would ever doubt Bill Gates? A young Ohio man named Isaiah Jackson decided to provide his entry to the wokest person contest in the form of a Snapchat picture that simply said, BLM now, MF. Black lives matter now, motherfucker over a picture of him kneeling on a white baby's neck as the baby screamed and a friend of Jackson's held the baby's arms behind his back to mimic handcuffs and further traumatize the infant. He was taken into custody, thankfully, for violating parole and with any justice, he will not be getting out anytime soon. CNN failed to report on the clear incident of a hate crime perpetrated against a minor because it would not help keep Trump out of office. Major cities shed residents in droves. New York, San Francisco, and Los Angeles have seen their rich leave permanently for red states and small wealthy communities like Aspen. Young, vibrant professionals have left for suburbs. There is no end to this in sight blue state governors having utterly failed the people they were elected to represent will no longer have any ability to pass the sorts of absurd spending measures. Their popularity has survived on for decades. Democrats are worried about Medicare for all when there is a stronger chance of government health care for none in these States. At this point, Joe Biden's basement series chats were being watched live by literally 19 people. He declared in one that Trump was America's first racist president. While Biden probably thought he was being extremely woke by saying this, it turns out that he should have known since his entire party had centered its existence on saying everyone who was born before 1990 on the other team was racist. The Washington Post tweeted about this while Donald Trump was announcing Operation Legend, named after Legend Talaferro, a four-year-old Kansas City victim of a very peaceful stray bullet while asleep in his bed. I imagine they wanted to let us know who the real racists are. And the standard is whoever Joe Biden says they are. In an effort to bring businesses back to Japan, the country began subsidizing their move home from China. The United States, you can be sure, is considering the same as they should. On July 22nd, Santa Clara County updated its dashboard to say deaths provided in this dashboard do not necessarily mean that the individuals died from COVID-19. That's interesting. Then why are they there? Why didn't our very responsible medical community choose to separate deaths from COVID from deaths with COVID? Wouldn't that be relevant information? The medical journal The Lancet published a country level analysis that found, quote, full lockdowns and widespread testing were not associated with reduced COVID-19 mortality, unquote. Shame no one cared. Trump took the role of data reporting away from the CDC and moved it to the Department of Health and Human Services. A media firestorm erupted with accusations that Trump was trying to hide the real numbers. And the dumbest people you know had a tantrum about corruption they don't know the first thing about. The data immediately became better and faster, particularly date of death data. Kyle Lamb has done excellent work with this data, giving us a truer picture of when COVID deaths are actually occurring rather than when they're simply being reported. Woke Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler decided he would attempt what woke Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry attempted two months earlier, to become one with the mob so as to lead them to their righteous glory and hopefully less destruction of the city he can surely no longer be trusted to run. Instead of welcoming him, The mob booed him and called him a fascist after he could not commit to abolishing the police. Were it not for his team of five security guards, he may not have made it out of there. Wheeler, a frail white half man, imagined himself the Pied Piper of the Marxist insurrection. He found out he was wrong. On July 23rd, the New York Post ran a front page with an illustration of Andrew Cuomo in the military garb of a communist dictator after the governor had ordered a certain amount of food to be served for anyone choosing to drink at a restaurant. Chicken wings, he said, did not constitute a meal. He claimed the science and the data said drinking in bars was dangerous which must mean that drinking anywhere was dangerous unless you were also eating a well-balanced meal, taking advantage of the full food pyramid. The cumulative jobless claims in the United States due to blue state lockdowns reached nearly 53 million. But it was a new virus, we said. We didn't know. Joe Biden said Donald Trump shouldn't connect the coronavirus to China even though it's obviously China's fault because Biden believes people in America are unable to distinguish between the Chinese and South Koreans, which apparently means all Asian Americans were in grave danger. Joe Biden can't distinguish between the racist things he says and the normal things he says. This is because the normal things he says are imbued with so much deep-seated racism. The New York Times posted an op-ed opining that white parents were the problem with schools. The headline read, Introducing Nice White Parents. This seems like a thinly veiled attempt to brand a character akin to the incredibly annoying yet omnipresent Karen. In Times Square, a march and vigil were held for black sex worker liberation the latest of many offshoot groups attempting to get Black Lives Matter's leftover sympathy money. The left's obsession with so-called sex workers is a discussion for another day, but it's worth noting that these events and pop culture depict prostitute as a morally solid and satisfying career choice. It is not. For all of human history, It has been the thing women turn to when they see no other choice. Now it's the fodder for music videos and lyrics of female pop stars. Many of these women are on drugs. Nearly all of them have rape or sexual abuse in their past. Many have unfathered children. I accept everyone who's a good person and the libertarian part of my brain even says prostitution should be legal, but that does not require us believing that what the world needs are more female prostitutes. As a society, we are honoring the wrong things. Encouraging ambition, confidence, and the constant cultivation of talents is far more empowering than telling women that a job that has a 20-year window, if you make it through intact, is a career goal, especially when we know what that treatment can do to a person. There is no number Of hooker made right features, the Sunday Times could run to change this. FBI notes emerged, showing media complicity in pushing the Trump-Russia narrative. Does anyone know this? Eh. New York State Senate voted to undo the immunity Andrew Cuomo gave to nursing homes. He is still honored as a hero. Florida reported improperly categorized COVID deaths, including gunshots, Parkinson's disease, and old men falling and dying of hip fracture complications. People continue to believe we're undercounting deaths, as if there are tens of thousands of bodies lying around undiscovered in people's homes. Anthony Fauci threw out the first pitch at the Washington Nationals baseball game, finally getting the season underway four months after they could have. He wound up and threw the ball about 15 feet in the air, and about 45 degrees off course. Batters bunt the ball closer to the plate than Fauci's pitch. Yes, it's irrelevant, but days later, Fauci defended his throw, saying he had a sore arm. Perhaps it was from constantly patting himself on the back. Fauci, his wife, and another man took the game in from the stands, the only fans in America allowed to do so. He spent much of his time not wearing a mask, which he said he only took down to drink water. He knows this isn't true and that there are pictures showing it isn't true, but he lied about something so insignificant. He would rationalize this by saying that it shouldn't take away from the good masks do. Naturally, it doesn't. Masks do no good, so there's nothing to take away. On how many other issues is Fauci more concerned with what the public believes than what is actually true? All of them, it seems. Thankfully, on August 10th, Trump named Scott Atlas as a coronavirus advisor. Had Scott Atlas been in Fauci's position for the last five months, we would have a different world. We would have heard about the relevant science instead of focusing on the technicalities of each and every mitigation, every date, every treatment, to find ways to show Trump doesn't respect the science. How many third world countries did we lead to ruin by overestimating the threat COVID posed? Donald Trump played catch with Hall of Fame New York Yankee Mariano Rivera, and he threw well because... Like most Americans his age, he knows how to catch and throw a baseball. The media must have missed that. The Washington Redskins renamed themselves the Washington football team. Native Americans' lives were immediately improved. L.A. businesses were fined for displaying we're open signs on their property. Small businesses are being crushed by the day, and the response from Eric the Whispering Fool was to fine them for letting customers know they're open. Protests still okay. The Wall Street Journal reported the harrowing story of an infectious disease specialist who, quote, worked tirelessly to keep COVID patients alive, end quote. Their tweet read, At the same time she worried about what would happen when the usual wave of flu patients arrived they never came. Sounds like they did come. Everyone just called them COVID. That night, two black Americans made headlines by defending the Portland federal courthouse from the mob. I wonder if they know that's not what they're supposed to do while being black. Perhaps Joe Biden can give them the lay of the land. Phil Kirpin pointed out that Brazil was at 20% excess deaths above average, with no lockdown or mitigation in place. Peru, on the other hand, had military-enforced hard lockdowns. Peru was at 149% excess death. Perhaps if they all just peacefully protested, no one would have contracted the virus. At this time, Sweden, the evil country who cared not for its citizens, reported that deaths for those under 64 years old were actually below average, with no lockdown and very little mask wearing. Why? Because lockdowns and masks don't help. Instead, they make problems worse. Mask believers will claim that masks are about protection, just like seatbelts. But if that were so, on the logic they use... They'd encourage seatbelt wearing even when you aren't in the car. My mask is to protect you, they say. Well, if it's a favor to me, then I gratefully decline. I'm perfectly comfortable with my immune system protecting me, as it does for better than 9,999 out of 10,000 people my age who contract the virus, and most of those will die with comorbidities. I will gladly take my chances on COVID before I give up everything that makes life enjoyable by pretending everything and everyone is a moral threat. On July 24th, the United States detained a Chinese researcher from UC Davis who had lied on her visa application. She claimed that she had no connections to the Chinese military. That was a lie. There are three other people being held for similar offenses. A responsible media would be getting to the bottom of an endemic problem in universities that Chinese funding incentivizes bringing military affiliated Chinese researchers into American universities. This is a national security issue to which they've happily turned a blind eye. The Washington Post settled the defamation lawsuit brought by Nicholas Sandman after the media falsely reported the high school student was being violent, racist, and abusive by smiling while a Native American man pounded a drum in his face. He was guilty of the crime of wearing a MAGA hat he had just bought. Perhaps being out in public wearing a MAGA hat is as dangerous as driving while black. Bigotry within the old guard enclave is far more widespread than MAGA, And it exists on the very noticeable surface of their movement. Protesters in Hong Kong, standing up to the Chinese Communist Party takeover, marched holding American flags as a symbol of freedom. Protesters in America marched with communist flags while rioting, looting and destroying property and lives as a symbol of anti-fascism. And they did so unironically. Tens of thousands of excess tests piled up in California as people clamored that we weren't doing enough testing. BuzzFeed reported that an elite group of scientists led by Stanford's John Ioannidis had tried to convince Trump that lockdowns were a bad idea. Had Anthony Fauci not been in the position he was in guiding the public narrative, this group of scientists would have saved us from the greatest moral, political and scientific failure in human history. This community of scientists existed before lockdowns and every relevant metric on which to base the lockdown decision was available. Rather than heeding their sound advice, the media painted Ioannidis as a fringe figure. Massachusetts and New Jersey were found to have been inflating their hospitalization numbers by including cases under investigation, meaning untested and surely without symptoms. Texas dropped its hospitalization numbers as well, and it may have been for this reason. The Vista Del Mar Commons in Ventura, California, sent a notice to residents that they would all be subjected to mandatory COVID tests and would be forced to quarantine if possible. I'm quite certain my landlord has no business compelling me to act when it comes to my own health. Drive-by shootings in Chicago in broad daylight claimed black lives again and again. Oxford Center for Evidence-Based Medicine published a paper titled Masking Lack of Evidence with Politics, where they found, quote, masks alone have no significant effect in interrupting spread of influenza-like illness or influenza in the general population, nor in health workers. Meanwhile, we build plastic barriers around the school desks of the country's children. In the Washington Post, columnist Ron Brownstein wrote that a Trump win might incite a civil war like a responsible journalist would. Bloomberg reported on a contact tracing study out of Finland that found hardly any evidence of children infecting other children and no increased risk to teachers versus any other profession. There are still parents across America fearing for their children's lives and others wanting to send their kids to school and finding they can't. Yet the media perpetuates the false narrative that children are in danger. Statistically, they are not, including and especially when compared to influenza. The media does nothing to assure these parents that their children are safe. Quite the opposite. Seattle banned the use of pepper spray and other crowd disbursement measures by its officers. Apparently, the rioters were in too much danger. On July 25th, Nobel laureate and professor of structural biology at Stanford, Michael Levitt, predicted that in four weeks time, COVID would be gone. Aside from Hawaii, it looks as though he's right. A data error in Florida caused reports about one third of children testing positive for COVID. In reality, it was 13%. The false report shaped the narrative on whether Florida's kids would be safe in returning to school. This misinformation does not die, even when it's thoroughly debunked. Sweden's all cause death rate with no lockdowns was lower than it's been in all but two of the last 20 years. More people died in Sweden in 17 of the last 19 years prior to COVID's arrival on the world stage than have died with it in their midst people still believe Sweden was maliciously cruel to its citizens. A correspondent from Time magazine tweeted that she has been inside her apartment for 134 straight days. Does that sound like a mentally stable person? A paper found that COVID herd immunity could be reached when 10 to 20 percent of the population has been infected. This, they note, is considerably less than the percent of the population that would have to receive a vaccine to induce herd immunity. Yet we are pushing forward with a vaccine and in some places in the world, making it mandatory. A review of Yelp showed that 15,000 of the nation's restaurants have permanently closed as a result of lockdown. Over 14% of these are in California, Switzerland where schools opened on May 11th, have had zero children die with coronavirus. Only one person in Switzerland under 30 years old has died with coronavirus. Kanye West, who is sort of running for president, said one reason he's sort of running is because he doesn't want Joe Biden to win. That didn't sit well with Democrats or the media, as they believe the votes of black Americans are owned by them. Property of the Democratic Party. Chris Wallace of Fox News noted that he had reached out to Joe Biden for an interview. His handlers let Wallace know that Joe Biden was not available, meaning quite obviously that they did not believe Biden could make his way through an interview with someone who might pose difficult questions. The Los Angeles Times speculated on whether a lowering of scores required to pass the bar exam would create more minority lawyers. In what world is this not demeaning and racist? Saying that requires the belief that minority law students are not capable of meeting the high standards required to become attorneys in California. Our current environment allows this to pass as normal. On July 26th, ABC News published a piece about how protesters in California had assaulted police, set fire to a courthouse, and damaged a police station as, quote, peaceful demonstrations intensified quote. We are told that riots are not the same as peaceful protests. Then we are told that rioting is merely a peaceful protest intensified. At what point is a protest no longer peaceful? Do they need to shoot 20 people as if their peaceful protests were just another weekend in Chicago? Would that be peaceful to the inside of a window? a Portland business taped a small sign saying, this is a family owned restaurant. We're already struggling to live. And in capital letters, please don't hurt us. People in the wokest city in America are afraid of protesters. They fear for their lives and livelihoods. The peace must have really intensified for them to be so scared. That night, 14 federal officers were injured while doing their jobs, protecting federal property from society's most worthless children. Florida residents under 65 years old showed 0.3% of infections resulted in death from or with COVID. Considering that even by safe estimates, true infections would outnumber reported cases by 10 times, deaths from or with COVID in Florida happened only three times in every 10,000 cases under 65 years old. As of July 26th, Sweden, without lockdown, had recorded approximately 5,600 deaths. 4,100 of these were in nursing homes. That means only 1,500 deaths with COVID had occurred in the general population. The Imperial College of London model by disgraced quack Neil Ferguson estimated that Sweden would have had 90,000 deaths. That's 15 times more than it had actually occurred. This model was the one used to shut down the entire world. Kyle Lamb began publishing biweekly updates showing date of death versus date of death report. While we were hearing every day about the growing death toll, the more data came out the more we could see that the bulk of the new reports consisted of deaths that happened weeks or months ago. At the end of July, they were still adding deaths that occurred in March. Though it had been many weeks since the country had experienced a weekly death toll above 7,000, the media breathlessly reported that we were seeing over 1,000 deaths per day because they either don't know or don't care to tell people that these are merely reports, backfilling data from weeks or months ago. This simple knowledge would make the fear induced by the headline evaporate. Perhaps that's why they keep failing to mention it. Donald Trump signed executive orders that infuriated the pharmaceutical industry. His orders opened drug imports from Canada, eliminated middlemen who had been skimming discounts that were supposed to be benefiting patients and mandated Medicare would pay the same price for drugs that other countries pay. In one day, Trump did more to, quote, take on big pharma than Bernie Sanders has in his entire career. He also did something that no other president would have considered doing. In fact, Obamacare was a massive boon to the pharmaceutical industry. Of course, Trump gets no credit for this. Media is concerned with proving, based on statements by anonymous experts, that the measures wouldn't help that much. Those who hate Trump take a certain glee in declaring that Americans won't be helped by things that can substantially reduce their drug costs. The catalyst for this blatant disregard for the good of other Americans is that it does not support the position that pharma can only be taken on with Bernie Sanders style socialism. Thank goodness we don't have to find out. The Daily Mail reported that 60% of the restaurants closed due to lockdowns would never reopen as big-name restaurants in big cities shut down permanently. Most of these equal people's life's work, and it's been taken from them by those following the science. In Aurora, Colorado, an intensified peaceful protester opened fire on a vehicle that attempted to pass through the undeniably loving protesters blocking the I-225 freeway. The bullets hit two fellow, mostly pacifist protesters and thankfully not the car's driver. The Justice Department reported that they seized an array of alarmingly tranquil weapons and supplies from the unremittingly placid attack on the federal courthouse, including Molotov cocktails ready to be lovingly hurled at other humans and property. San Francisco Weekly published a piece about the need to resolve the lack of skin color diversity in surfing. Big cities across America saw 10 to 50 percent spikes in homicide. This is the fastest deterioration of murder rates in 60 years. The United Nations found that lockdown induced hunger was leading to the deaths of 10,000 children per month, with 550,000 more falling into severe malnutrition each month. Elon Bachman pointed out that a hunger death is equivalent to approximately 70 COVID-19 deaths in terms of life years lost, as the median age of a death for COVID is older than 80 all around the world. Therefore, each month of lockdown creates the equivalent of life years lost as COVID has in the eight, likely more months it has been in the world. Lockdowns are about many things. Saving lives is not one of them. Remember, we locked down to preserve hospital capacity. That never became an issue. And there were renowned scientists the world over who knew it would not be before lockdowns were initiated. Videos of a concert in Southampton where attendees failed to practice proper social distancing measures embarrassed our Lord and Savior, Andrew Cuomo. He impotently tweeted, quote, I am appalled. I would imagine New Yorkers might feel the same reading his tweet. Portland police were alerted to a bag containing four loaded rifle magazines and two Molotov cocktails left behind by a glowingly mellow anarchist. They must have planted it themselves. The Daily Mail UK published a piece on reports of women receiving, quote, aggressive eye contact due to men's newfound freedom to leer now that masks provided them with anonymity. Must we pretend this is not insane? Nicole Hannah-Jones continued backtracking on her defense of the wholly unjustifiable 1619 project, where she reimagined the history of the country's founding into a far more racist one, you know, to help. She declared on Twitter that it was simply an origin story and not the origin story. It's a shame that schools around the country considering teaching it to students as history aren't aware. The women of the Internet took to Instagram to post black and white pictures of themselves to empower the women they tagged in the post. Once they were fully empowered, they were able to complete the posting a selfie challenge. A copy and paste chain message was to be sent to 50 women who might be courageous enough to accept the challenge. In the coming days, these very informed women of the Internet reframed their empowering challenge as somehow helpful in aiding the end of femicide in Turkey. Then celebrities like Jennifer Aniston challenged herself to go even further by challenging people to vote. I cannot imagine the stamina and resolve required to complete one challenge while thinking of an entirely new challenge. The talent agency, CAA shed 90 agents and executives and furloughed 275 assistants and support staff as even powerful agencies couldn't sway Gavin to reopen California, or perhaps they never cared enough to try to sway him. An older woman in a grocery store castigated a mother and her children for not wearing masks, looking them all in the eye and telling them, I hope you all die. According to Yelp data, more than 50 percent of the businesses that had closed would be permanently closed. Politico somehow posted a blurb scheduled for August 1st, three days later, announcing Kamala Harris as Joe Biden's running mate, complete with a quote from Biden about how pleased he was with his choice. Biden took two extra weeks to name her his running mate. On July 28th, CDC director Robert Redfield stated that suicides and drug overdoses outnumbered coronavirus deaths. And of course they did. In New York, a van stopped and officers jumped out, detaining a woman who had damaged five security cameras to allow for further unchecked rioting. The arresting officers were assaulted with rocks and bottles, probably all covered in COVID. On Twitter, Former Democratic presidential primary candidate Julian Castro and Socialist Clown Act Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted about how Trump's secret stormtroopers were rounding people up. They were dead wrong, of course, but who cares? The incorrect claims were at least headed in the right direction if their goal was to scare people and harm Trump's image. California sent mail-in voter notices to all of its citizens and more. In 2019, California had 5 million inactive voters. While this could be someone that hasn't voted in a long time, it's generally people who have moved or died. California only has 20 million active voters. But California has 5 million inactive voters on the rolls who will be sent these notices. The ballot notice explains the simple process of mail-in voting. If you want your ballot, do nothing. One is on the way. No need to return this notice. If you moved, then please let us know by signing and returning this notice. It's worth noting people who have moved don't generally get their mail unless they had the address forwarded, and this lasts for one year after moving. It seems to be a small set of people who moved ever getting these notices. From my own experience, I can tell you that I changed my voter registration officially from Democrat to no party affiliation in 2017, I think. When I voted in this year's primaries, now at a new address and re-registered at the new address, they still had me recorded as a Democrat at my old address. I thought little of it. But I imagine I received a ballot notice at that address, which means I will also get a ballot at that address. I also imagine the Democratic political operation knows from its own voter rolls that my situation is exactly this. Short of stalking my old mailbox, how will I know an extra ballot was sent? How will I know the new tenants got it and threw it out? Why would anyone believe this can't happen when we have countless examples of similar instances of shady voting practices around the country right now? To be clear, I'm not saying I can prove now that this is true, but it is possible. And I hope you'll agree there is no legitimate reason why this possibility shouldn't outweigh the chance of casting doubt on an election. This is exactly backwards of how a functional, uncorrupted system would operate. If California wants to do mail-in balloting, fine. If they want to give a notice explaining it, great but you should have to respond to the notice to get a mail-in ballot by confirming it online as you would when activating a new credit card or by sending it back in the mail. What is the issue with this? People would forget fine vote in person on election day. People can't afford postage prepaid postage. Old people have a hard time getting to the mailbox. Well, how will they vote by mail? What's next? Black people don't have mailboxes. Even if you were to propose that there was some unique individual who could genuinely not join the process this way, it is nowhere near outweighed by the sanctity of the vote of the other nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine out of one million actual voters knowing the process is fair and true. There is no good reason why this process should run in this direction, except to specifically introduce the possibility for voter fraud. Apply this across the country and you can see what universal mail-in balloting truly is and why it is such a critical aspect of what's happening right now. It is one of three major reasons the coronavirus relief package did not pass. Democrats wanted a trillion dollars to refill state coffers after oppressive lockdowns in blue states, demolish their economies and the tax income they generate. California was already deeply unfunded on pensions and health care. The state has lost 50 billion dollars since March. Their other aim was to appease the ridiculous demands of the teachers unions. There was no way Trump would sign any of these. So any deal was dead. The Democrats weren't protecting people with this strategy. None of these three reasons have anything to do with coronavirus. They believed they could push this through by forcing Trump to bend as the deadline for COVID relief expired. Californians expecting to certify for benefits on August 1st were greeted with a bulletin that said no one was eligible to certify until August 9th. Eligibility is open again and Californians are receiving COVID relief. Democrats knew that payments would begin again on August 9th because they were certain they could outlast the president for the one week they could get away with, and by doing so would achieve the goals outlined above. There is no reason whatsoever to believe that if the Democrats were operating in good faith, a deal for the exact same level of relief could not have reached Congress. They then could have moved on to the passing of these other goals separately. It's also important to notice that Democrats have tried twice to play the COVID is too dangerous to vote game. They went hard after it while the country was in its initial peak, primarily in the northern half of the country, and then did so again while California, Arizona, Texas, and Florida were experiencing a wave. People are understanding that there is no next wave and there is no danger to voting in person presented by COVID. Not that there ever was. Anthony Fauci himself said, if you can socially distance yourself to run errands, you should be able to do that to vote. This is obviously true. And for those in mask and lockdown culture, this is something you now must accept. If Anthony Fauci is the man you believed him to be for the last five months while the rest of us suffered, this is the problem with blindly accepting what someone says simply because they represent the good team. This is the end of part two. I hope you'll join me for part three. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email hey Moderator at I'mYourModerator.com or use the hashtag HeyModerator on Twitter.